How's it going, everybody? My name is Sean, and I get to serve as one of the pastors of this one church in three locations, Mid-County and South City St. Louis, and also online. Today, we're finishing up our series, Ezra, Out of Exile. And we have learned a ton from this little, often forgotten book, and we wanted to focus on how our failure and our sin and our past may leave us kind of feeling like we are living in exile with no home. But just like in the book of Ezra, God reclaims us and redeems our lives for His purposes in the world. And because of this, we are always at home with God. And this time, we're going to finish it up by learning that mourning the past makes new things that last. Let's pray together. God, we ask that wherever we are and whenever we are joining in worship, that you would inhabit our space, that we might be transformed by you, that you might convict us afresh and anew to chase after you with a fresh fire. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm thankful that the COVID vaccine rollout continues and our world is becoming a safer place. And the return to life a little bit closer as we knew it seems imminent. I know some folks who have received their vaccines have felt similar to me when I received mine, as it was just an overwhelming feeling of gratitude. A feeling I honestly never thought I would feel for vaccinations, which we often just consider a regular part of our lives. It wasn't until I got the COVID vaccination that I really appreciated all of the other health protections I've received in my life. I'm honestly not sure a single minute of my entire existence has been spent thinking about any hepatitis or polio or smallpox or diphtheria or other vaccinations I've gotten. In fact, I remember when I had to get my most recent tetanus shot, which you have to kind of redo every 10 years, it felt like a nuisance because puncture wounds are just not a regular threat in my life. You see, it's because of the direct effect that the COVID pandemic has had on my life and its freshness upon my current experience that I realized just how meaningful an antidote is. You know, I think of it this way too. We have paid much more love and attention to frontline workers over the last year. Healthcare workers, teachers, grocery store workers, essential business employees, and so on. The ones who don't have the option of working from home because the situation revealed to us just how essential and vital these folks are to our everyday life, pandemic or not. But over the course of time, things that are around us all the time are easily taken for granted. Through our scripture reading today, we should see that sometimes, just like we grow numb to the sickness that have the potential to wreak havoc on society, we also grow numb to the antidotes for them. And we have also grown numb to the sickness of sin in our lives and in our world, which causes us to go numb to the antidote we have in the resurrection of Jesus. In today's reading, in Ezra, the people have returned from exile and are now once again back in their home. We spent a lot of time talking about the significance of home, particularly to the ancient Israelites. But now that they're home and things are back to normal, everything's going to be okay, right? Right? Well, actually, when the prophet Ezra, who is tasked by God with leading and instructing God's people, comes to Jerusalem, he finds that the people have done some of the very things that led them to ending up in exile in the first place. When Ezra finds this, the scripture says that he was appalled to find what he saw. And it's not out of self-righteousness that he's appalled at the sins of his people, but it's because he knows all that God has done for them to get them to this point, and they are about to throw it all away. 
So Ezra prays for forgiveness and declares that despite their mistakes, that God has been patient, faithful, and forgiving, as evidenced by the fact that they've returned home. As this prayer goes on, we find that Ezra's emotions have now turned more towards mourning. Mourning for what's happened, mourning for the hearts of people that despite all they've gone through, they still not transform their hearts enough into the likeness of God. And that is where we pick up our story for today in Ezra chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, While Ezra was praying and confessing, weeping and bowing down before God's house, a very large crowd of men, women, and children of Israel gathered around him. The people also wept in distress. Then Shechaniah, Jehiel's son from the family of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We've been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the neighboring peoples. But even now, there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Let's now make a covenant with our God to send away all these wives and their children according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. Let it be done according to the instruction. Get up, for it is your duty to deal with this matter. We will support you. Be strong and act. So Ezra got up and made the leading priests, the Levites, and all Israel take a solemn pledge that they would do as had been said. So they took a solemn pledge. Now allow me to briefly address the elephant in the room about this passage that you may be thinking about. There are historical reasons for the charge of God's people to not marry foreign women. And this is what we would call a descriptive situation, not a prescriptive situation. Meaning that this passage describes something that was going on with God's people, but is not something that is prescribed by God for all people for all times. And there's certainly no biblical Christian precedent for such a prescription for us today. But the point is that the people have once again and all too quickly strayed from the commands of God, and not just any command, but the very command they broke that got them in the pickle that God just pulled them out of. And Ezra is clearly very upset at this. But here's the first thing I want us to pay attention to. What is ultimately Ezra's reaction? Oftentimes in these similar instances in the Old Testament, this is where we find a strongly worded passage from the prophets condemning the sinful people they are charged with leading. Speaking so harshly that it can be really hard to read at times. And now there's a place for this because it reveals just how deeply God cares about our sin and how seriously we need to take it too. But so does this passage. And Ezra's reaction is not strongly worded condemnation. No. Ezra falls to his knees and Ezra weeps. And it's Ezra's weeping and praying that draw the large crowd to do the same. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Ezra's mourning draws the people to repentance. And in the midst of their mistakes, in the midst of their fears, in the midst of potentially facing more trouble than they just got out of, the people declare that even now there is hope for Israel in spite of this. Why is there hope? How is there hope? First and foremost, because of the faithfulness of God. But secondly, because the people are being drawn to move. The people are moving toward action, toward transformation, toward something new. And what brought them there? It was mourning. It was repentance. The response of the people is to create a new covenant with God to reestablish their commitment to the commands of God. You see, mourning the past 
makes new things that last. And I don't know about you, but I really identify with the Israelites in this story. Because you see, for me, my sin, my mistakes, and my past have become so routine to me. They've become so normal, and it's actually quite despicable. You see, it's sad how little thought I put into how destructive to my life that my shortcomings are. How can I expect anything to ever change about them if I pay so little attention to them? How can I expect to do something different if I don't ever acknowledge the fact that I'm doing the very things that are contradictory to my faith and love of Jesus? Maybe you can relate to that. We need to get back to the point where we mourn our sin like Ezra and the people of Israel, where we fall to our knees and weep because of how we have fallen short of the standard of Christ. And I think we miss this part because of the amazing gospel of grace that God has us covered in his grace and love no matter what. And that is so true. But when we discount the reality of our mistakes, we dilute just how amazing the good news of Jesus actually is. It isn't until we are in dire straits with an illness that we realize just how incredible vaccinations are. It isn't until we are sick that we're so appreciative of modern health care. It isn't until someone we love is sick with an incurable disease that we become so painfully aware of the need for an antidote. And I truly believe that most of us Christians have allowed ourselves to become numb to both the sickness of sin and the antidote of Jesus. As I mentioned before, many of us have had insane emotional experiences around the distribution of the COVID vaccine because of our awareness of the effect of it in our world and how we have mourned the situation that the pandemic has left us in. Now, let me ask you this. When is the last time you mourned the sickness of your sin? When have you fallen to your knees and wept like Ezra and the Israelites at the weight of just how much we need a savior? See, our mourning can bring about something new because it means we recognize things for what they really are. We recognize our desperate situation. In our reading with Ezra and the Israelites, it doesn't stop at mourning though, does it? After the mourning, after the praying, after the recommitment, what does Ezra do? Ezra got up, Ezra took action. Ezra put their plans into place. Ezra got up to ensure the commitment of the people to their God. Ezra got up to cement that the mourning of the people was earnest. Ezra got up because repentance doesn't just mean mourning, but repentance means to move in the opposite direction. So Ezra got up to get the people moving in the opposite direction of their sin. Because mourning the past makes new things that last. You know, as I read and really dove in and prayed over this passage, I was reminded of Jesus. You see, just before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we call Palm Sunday, Jesus started up on a hill overlooking the city of Jerusalem, and Jesus wept over it. His view might have looked something like this, just perhaps without some of the modern creations. In this passage, in Luke 19, Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem because of the lost opportunity Instead of repenting of their sin and receiving their king and their savior, Jerusalem chose to kill him instead. No one mourning alongside of Jesus pledging to change. But then what did Jesus do? Jesus got up 
Jesus declared that there was still hope for Jerusalem, there was still hope for Israel, and there was still hope for all of the nations because Jesus mourned for us, mourned for our lack of repentance, mourned for our lack of mourning and despair over our sin. But Jesus didn't stop at mourning. Jesus got up and went to the cross on our behalf. And after Jesus completed the work on the cross, he was taken to the tomb. And after three days of his loved ones and devout followers mourning, Jesus got up out of the tomb. It's often at our points of greatest mourning that Jesus meets us like never before. Jesus got up so that you and I might be empowered to also get up and help others do the same, just like Ezra. Mourning the past makes new things that last. We're still in the season of Easter according to the church calendar until the near end of this month. And in our tradition, we don't celebrate Easter without first recognizing the horror of the cross. Because we can't understand the miracle of grace until we recognize the desperation that sin causes. When we recognize and care enough to mourn the mistakes of the past, the grace of Jesus empowers us to create change for the future. And what would it look like for you if you actually took the time to reflect and mourn over the mistakes of your past with the same awareness that the Israelites had that there is still and always will be hope for the future? Instead of feeling nothing over our transgressions or feeling shame, what if we mourn them in the same way that we mourn the crucifixion of Jesus, knowing that it breeds resurrection? It brings new life. It brings change and new commitments. What if our mourning allowed us to better mourn with those who mourn, to help them experience new life out of their mourning? The story of Ezra ends with people mourning their continual turning against their God, but with hope for the future and a desperate desire for God to bring about something new in their life and in their world. And I believe that if we truly recognize our sin as Ezra did, the truest reaction we could possibly have is to mourn, just like Ezra did. And it would create fresh desire, renewed desperation for and recognition of the gospel of Jesus Christ that turns death into life and mourning into dancing. I believe that this would bring about new commitment to the mission and ways of Jesus in our own life and in the life of the world around us. Because mourning the past makes new things that last. Amen.